Hey everyone, this is the third episode of our podcast series, Society 3.0. A series where we explore the roadmap for the future of society with some amazing and notable change agents. A society where frontier technology is used for good of humanity and making the everyday life easier, happier and um, more productive. So today we have the very talented Cecilia Shapiro. Uh, who is the investment advisor and blockchain portfolio manager at UNICEF Ventures. At the Innovation Fund, she leads teams that do sourcing, selection, and then conduction of the innovation incubation program for startups UIF chooses to invest in. She focuses on managing the blockchain portfolio of investment as well as other frontier technology-related investments. In this podcast, she'll introduce us to the UNICEF Venture Fund and how she's ushering in Society 3.0 revolution through it. Welcome, Cecilia. Please tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, thank you so much, Akshay. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm Cecilia. I'm originally from Argentina, uh, but I'm based in New York City for quite some time now. And uh, over there, I... I'm part of UNICEF Ventures team, which I know not many people know about that team. Um, Well, I'm sure everyone knows UNICEF as the agency within the United Nations working to ensure the development and protection of the most vulnerable children in the world. Um, Less people know about uh, that my team works to explore how blockchain and other emerging technologies work uh, towards this mission. So I hope that after today's podcast and conversation with you. Um, More people will learn about the very exciting work we're doing and join us in exploring how these emerging technologies can support the development and growth of children um, around the world. Um, I've been as part of this team for about four years now. So it's been quite a while. I grew um, a lot with this team. I joined to first structure the first venture fund that the United Nations was starting in UNICEF um, Mm -hmm. to invest in startups using these emerging technologies to to basically support the growth of children in in the places that's needed the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, as you said, I lead uh, the team behind the sourcing, the selection, and the support of the startups that we invest in, as mm-hmm. well as um, a lot of the crypto fund work with the startups that advance UNICEF's mission. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, you know, for those who don't know, UNICEF, you know, is short for United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund. So it's a UN agency. Uh, responsible for providing humanitarian and development aid to children worldwide, right? And UNICEF Venture Fund, obviously, as Cecilia, uh, you know, highlighted, is taking steps towards that direction. Uh, Cecilia, would you like to tell us a bit about the size of the fund? Uh, you know, how much of it is deployed? How much investments have been, how many investments have been made already? Mm-hmm. 
So UNICEF's Venture Fund or Innovation Fund, um, we call it both ways. So if you see it in mm-hmm. last venture or innovation, uh, it refers to the same fund. It's basically a 30 million pooled funding vehicle that focuses on identifying, piloting and growing these emerging technology startups that improve the lives of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, we particularly focus on frontier tech startups or emerging tech startups that we identify as those that, that can impact more than a billion people unlike $100 billion markets. But what this means is that we invest in startups that have the potential to positively impact large groups of people, but also line financially sustainable markets um, in a way that they they wouldn't need grants um, to continue uh, financing their operations, but they they line markets that would help them sustain upon themselves. To Mm -hmm. date, we have made 50 investments in in startups in 26 countries Um, and uh, those investments are um, in average of up to a hundred thousand dollars so that's that's what we've done so far that's amazing and and how how long has the fund been around for the fund was launched five years ago Wow. So there, there has been quite a lot of hustle, uh, you know, at the, at your end with, you know, I, I mean, generally the teams end with 50 startups being funded already. Yeah. It's, it's been a hectic ride, but most interesting. <laughs> and, and, and so you generally work from uh, New York, as you said. We work from New York, but we invest in startups that are being led, developed, and executed in developing and emerging countries. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically, we invest in countries where UNICEF has a local field office, office, um, Mm -hmm. which are um, the places with the highest need of the solutions that we invest in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's interesting how your background is, you know, kind of perfectly relates to, you know, you knowing the ground realities in emerging markets, right? And, you know, would it be possible for you to touch a bit about, uh, you know, your work at the Eunice and Eunice Foundation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so... Yes. So basically, I well, I do come from a developing country. So I I was born in a country where um, where I would see more than forty percent of the people below the poverty line. Which unfortunately, after COVID or or now during COVID, uh, the numbers have gone to half of the population. So so this has been a reality for me when growing up and um, seeing children, poor children, in the streets, living in the streets was unfortunately common so that shaped my childhood and it motivated me to want to do something about it so I've been working development for quite quite a while uh, which also means that from a very young age I I was volunteering in nonprofits, and then I it got me thinking into ways in which we could make um, the nonprofit model more sustainable more especially financially sustainable and more long enduring and that is how I came across, from Argentina, uh, I came across the work of um, Nobel Peace Prize Mohamed Yunus in Bangladesh. So it's, he's wow. very close to, mm-hmm. to probably you and your audiences. Um, <laughs> yes, And uh, I thought, yeah, I thought that the work he was leading in microfinance and social business of, of developing a financially sustainable 
uh, model um, that would that would mean that organizations with a social mission on their core could be sustainable by themselves. Um, so the whole concept of social business fascinated me because I thought it was combining the best part of what I loved from the nonprofit sector, which was the mission-driven uh, focus, and the part that I loved from the business and corporate sector, which is this uh, financial sustainability model that allows them to um, sustain their own operations. Mm -hmm. So when I came across this, I yeah, I, I got honestly fascinated, and I I started working for for one of Mohammed Yunus's organizations, um, Grameen, the Grameen Creative Lab, focused on accelerating social business model models worldwide. Mm -hmm. And after that, I realized that there was um, there was a very high need in, in in around the world from young people that wanted to start a social business and didn't know how. And mm -hmm. that's how I um, um, I came into the idea of of developing an organization to this aim. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, Mohammed Yunus decided to, to name the organization Yunus and Youth. So, so that's how it, it came across. And, and Yunus and Youth is today an organization that works to empower youth through entrepreneurial training that would help them build financially sustainable um, organizations with a social goal, more specifically a social business that would help uh, empower their communities out of poverty. Wow. So and, and a lot of, yeah. Sorry, please, ahead. please. Yeah, so I was just, you know, uh, then wondering where does, so this, you know, uh, period of your life, Eunice and Youth Foundation was uh, in Bangladesh or was it in Argentina? Where was, <laughs> where did that take you? That's a good question. So I think we started to be virtual before virtual was a thing. <laughs> um, so I started the organization six years ago. No, sorry, seven years ago. Um, uh -huh. yeah, I started it in Bangladesh when I was living there um, and I was getting advice from Mohammed Yusuf how to go ahead and, and start the organization to support uh, as many young people as possible. Um, but because I wanted to um, share expertise, knowledge and resources to everyone that needed it, and this was most likely not people in New York, not people in London, uh, maybe not even... Um, in, 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 in places, in capital cities where resources are available, where you could get mentoring, where you could get uh, know-how, but in places where these um, resources were not available. So I wanted to make mm -hmm. this global platform for young people to get access um, to resources and, and pretty much bridge um, the know-how between generations and countries. So because of that, I registered the organization mm -hmm. in the US to make it global. Mm -hmm. And I made it virtual from the start. So the whole team runs, is based in different locations and we've, we've built programs and supported young people in more than 50 countries. Uh, wow, that's that's absolutely amazing. And you know, it's it's interesting how, you know, you stand for you know bridging that gap and you know virtual then definitely seemed like a, a really thought through uh, from the get-go right way to go about uh, you know conducting the foundation's mission i try <laughs> yeah. um i think that's what brought me to <laughs> um 
based on all the work I had done with UNICEF and Youth as soon as UNICEF launched this fund, they needed basically to create the structure. Mm -hmm. So basically they had these questions, how do we identify the change makers that are building solutions that need to scale? How do we support them? Um, um, how do we make sure our portfolio is diverse and we help them grow their solutions from a prototype stage into a, a validated stage where they can really make an impact mm -hmm. and maximize the social value. So um, that's what what really um, brought me to UNICEF. And, uh, and yeah, it's been a really great adventure ever since. <laughs> that that's that's quite interesting and we'll, we're going to explore more of that adventure you know uh, for the next uh, you know a few uh, minutes but you know then you know I was just listening to you and you know got you know the perfect question to understanding that you know with your background yeah you know there must definitely be a resonance that you would have had once you you know got or came across uh, you know, blockchain as a technology. So tell me about one, the investment thesis of the fund. And second, you know, how does blockchain fit in? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's a very good question. I think to answer your, your first question, um, to me, when we were starting to explore with blockchain, it, it wasn't, you know, as much as like how shiny that new concept was um, on, or it wasn't mm -hmm. because of Bitcoin going, you know, high in the market. Um, it was mm -hmm. because of the transparency that the, the, the technology can generate. I think when you work in aid mm -hmm. and development, there's this notion that people do not know where funds go. And the fact that that technology... Mm -hmm could allow for that, um, it was just fascinating to me. So that's, you know, answering to the question on a personal level, what struck me um, within the technology. Um, mm -hmm. But and, specific, and, yeah, and, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, I got attracted to the blockchain world for this very same reasons, right? And, you know, uh, oh, wow. I come from a country wherein, you know, corruption has been a huge, uh, you know, barrier for, growth and definitely accelerating that, that you know, change uh, from, you know, an underdeveloped country to a developing and now probably going towards, uh, you know, someday becoming a developed uh, nation, so to say. But, you know, just that transparency in public distribution system, which, you know, is a huge uh, kind of spread across, uh, you know, kind of relatively uh, larger supply chain, but you know, if all of that is trackable, then, you know, all of those, you know, promises of the government, you know, pushing in X amount of funds through, you know, a year's budget could be proven, you know, probably technology wise. A hundred percent. I think, I think it's, uh, I think, I think we're still in the exploration mode, but we were working towards, um, further developing this technology to address these concerns and issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you were, you were telling us a bit about the investment thesis. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So please go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, basically um, we have, again, what I was saying, the UNICEF venture fund that sits within the UNICEF office of innovation that explores how emerging technologies can positively influence the lives of the most vulnerable children in the world. 
Um, mm -hmm. Blockchain is one of the technologies that we very much focus on, but it's not the only one. We also focus in extended reality, in data science, in AI, uh, in drones. So basically technologies that, again, have the, impact, the potential to impact uh, the most vulnerable children in the world. Um, mm -hmm. But one thing that um, specifically around blockchain, of course, it's not only the, the focus that we have in exploring how blockchain can, can generate this positive impact, but also led us to um, start what we call UNICEF's crypto fund. Um, mm -hmm. UNICEF crypto fund is almost a, a well, it's a, it's a prototype fund within the umbrella of UNICEF's venture fund. Mm -hmm. And it functions very similarly to the venture fund with the difference that instead of working with USD um, mm -hmm. as the venture fund, it allows UNICEF to accept donations and make investments mm -hmm. in cryptocurrencies exclusively. So wow. the crypto fund is basically the first cryptocurrency denominated fund within the United Nations. Um, it's the first investment vehicle that allows us to deploy funding in cryptocurrency in startups. Uh, mm -hmm. that are aligned with the mission of UNICEF. So it was a pretty big deal when we launched it one year ago. <laughs> it, it, it still seems to me like that because, you know, we have this scenario wherein you know, the top economies of the world, are, you know, closing its way to, you know, crypto in a lot of, uh, you know, senses. I, I would definitely say that you're, we're also looking at early phases of licensing in countries like uh, the US wherein we've seen some, you know, a regulatory go ahead for for example blockstack is one of the product one of the projects that did a licensed token raise right we see coinbase as one uh, as one of the exchanges that you know uh, you know the you know kind of conducts these efforts to make them self compliant right so i mean you know that's that's one place but you know and then while you're working across these international uh, or, you know, across these boundaries into, you know, creating this whole digital one, you know, one world, uh, you know, you're working with crypto as a mechanism. So that must definitely, you know, still be eye-catchy for everyone and definitely was for me uh, when I got to know about it. Sorry, you got cut off a little bit oh. in the end. Mm -hmm. um, you were, were you asking like, why did we? No, I was just, you know, I was just trying to make a remark that, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how, you know, different countries are looking at crypto, uh, many in a negative light, right? So just by the idea of creating a crypto specific uh, separate focus is, you know, a bold, and, uh, you know, obviously I feel, you know, it resonates with uh, creating transparency and, you know, transparently, you know, doing aid related work. But, uh, you know, you must get a lot of, uh, you know, still uh, when, when you're conversing, people must ask you why crypto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. We get that question a lot. Um, so I think it is important to mention that we on the front of innovation, we do exploration. So we don't give any certains. Um, I think it, it would be silly to do so. Um, so the crypto fund is an exploratory fund. Um, mm -hmm. And our exploration in blockchain and crypto 
um, are part of UNICEF's effort to really learn more than anything else. Learn what it means to operate in a digitally financed world, which is mm -hmm. the kind of world we're living today. And, and essentially, how can we leverage innovative finance models to distribute resources, um, to increase the efficiency and transparency of internal processes, and to incentivize and encourage the creation of open source digital public goods that can maximize, again, social value? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then, then, you know, I would be intrigued to ask you the kind of startups that get attracted to the fund and, you know, generally how have you come across, uh, you know, building a selection criteria onto, uh, you know, narrowing down uh, that, uh, the ones that relate to your vision in the best possible way? Yeah. Um, so we get a very large range of startups um, applying for sure. Um, mm -hmm. So most of them, there are um, doing an exploration of how to use blockchain or another one of our focus emerging technologies to address a, a humanitarian issue. Um, mm -hmm. I think it would be maybe interesting to shed some light into what are the companies that, that are selected uh, from Absolutely. this large pool, which, mm -hmm. which would be the kind of companies that have that are very early stage, but have a proven prototype. What that means is basically companies that have evidence that indicate that their solution has a potential to improve society. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes I think that it's important to mark the prototype part because we do get a lot of applications and it is important for us to see a prototype, um, something that helps us believe that the vision they have uh, can become a reality so this mm -hmm. can be shown by the technology already created so there is software stack by the mm -hmm. local partners and ecosystem by the user testing and feedback from their users so this part is just very very interesting and useful for us to learn more about um, and especially assessing the team behind the startup is equally as important um, as assessing the product because this is a very early stage and we need to believe that the team is able to conduct the plan that they have outlined. Um, we invest only in local teams, building local solutions, um, purely because today's value goes beyond the idea, today's value goes into the execution of the, of the proposition and the team's mm -hmm. understanding of the problem, the engagement they have with the ecosystem, all of that is, is definitely stronger when you are a local, when you understand how that solution would be deployed with the resources that you have available in that ecosystem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it'd be, I think the right point to see some of the investments that you've made, you know, blockchain, uh, or I would rather say crypto and then otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Um, so we do have some blockchain investments, but mm -hmm. we've also, you know, a lot of our exploration with cryptocurrency, has been around using crypto to invest in startups that were using blockchain or other technologies, like maybe data mm -hmm. science, maybe AI. Um, mm -hmm. So especially, you know, when COVID emerged last year, we had the plan to launch a blockchain call for applications and do the regular process for sourcing and selecting startups. And what happened was that we realized that at the same time, we had a portfolio of solutions um, in multiple technologies that were struggling to now operate in the new conditions of, of COVID. Um, so we decided to 
put the crypto fund, you know, in test in a way that which in in a way that could allow us to deploy funding much more much quicker and more easily to deploy crypto funding to these solutions that were trying to react to their local problems that were emerging due to COVID. So one example is Somlang. The technology that they use is, is basically based on the interactive voice response um, technology needed to um, communicate, especially with the population. So it, this is a Cambodian uh, company. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened is when COVID-19 happened, the government wanted to use this solution to scale this interactive voice response platform to communicate with the population and, um, and especially touch on topics like self-isolation, social di distancing, hygiene related to COVID. Mm -hmm. And this was important. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, like uh, an investment that we needed to do as up because they in the first month of the pandemic, the government sent out 1 million voice notes to the population they, and, and the company, the team had to uh, adapt their software to be able to respond quick, um, quickly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So this is one example. We have we have many others. Um, we have Affinity Data. They are using data science and AI, um, and they're a solution based in Guatemala, in Latin America, mm -hmm. where they um, where they developed basically a, an an artificial live uh, tutor for parents with children under six years old to basically help them with personalized early childhood development information. And this is important because again, at the time of COVID, their solution had a lot more demand because there were many more parents that needed this support and needed this guidance, but couldn't physically meet their doctors. I think mm -hmm. the whole remote healthcare is, is, is advancing a lot, especially in the last mm -hmm. few months, but it's still a long way to go in terms of supporting the most vulnerable um, people. So again, we gave them this crypto funding for them to be able to expand their application and support not only recent parents, but also pregnant women that, that also were in need of, um, of this kind of information. And uh, mm -hmm. then we had other solutions that, for example, two of our portfolio solutions that received funding, uh, they, they were using virtual reality um, and they received our crypto funding in the context of COVID to transition from virtual reality to web virtual reality. What this means is, you know, you probably think when you hear virtual reality to, to you know, expensive hardware and exp an expensive setup that not everyone may be able to get. Mm -hmm. But web VR is a much more accessible kind of VR because it allows um, people with a computer to access the same um, benefits. So, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, um, the two solutions working to use VR to uh, one was about helping children improve their reading skills. The other one was to help uh, people treat anxiety uh, mm -hmm. and especially, you know, the anxiety that a lot of people went through in the context of COVID when the reality and the social interaction change was, was very, very much important. Mm -hmm. um, but there are, of course, other solutions that are receiving crypto funding, but are both also uh, developing blockchain solutions. And an example is Stadwig in India. They developed yes, a blockchain application. Base. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, you know, Stadwig. So they developed a blockchain ap application combined with Internet of Things to help track food and vaccine delivery. 
mm-hmm. in India. And during COVID, they specially partnered with the government to uh, track the delivery of, of, of food to low-income areas. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Statwig, uh, you know, uh, from the very early on has, has been a part of our community and Sid, uh, you know, has appeared on multiple sessions, uh, shared his two bits because, you know, they've been very early into the supply chain and definitely using supply chain, uh, using blockchain uh, to, you know, make supply chain more efficient and, you know, uh, definitely an inspiring team uh, to have around. Definitely. Yes. And so, so, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, you took probably three examples and, you know, there is one or the other thing that's unique about unique. And I would say, you know, it tells a lot about how much there is this focus of innovation to solve problems. Right. So first you mentioned about, you know, the use of interactive voice response. Then you mentioned about remote healthcare, uh, then, you know, more accessible form of VR, which was the web virtual reality, right? So I think it, it must just be amazing, uh, to, you know, for as a company to be a part of a cohort that has such varied, uh, you know, innovators. Um, yeah, and, you know, there must be such amazing synergies coming between you know, uh, such brilliant minds. Yeah, um, honestly, a, a lot of what they take from also the experience of working with us is also the experience of working with one another. Uh, we have mm-hmm. multiple projects that have collaborated um, to scale their solutions as well. So that's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting component of of the package that they get when they receive all <laughs> investment and additional support. Absolutely. So then, then, you know, that would be definitely one perk of an investment from, uh, you know, uh, UNICEF Ventures. But, you know, what what other, you know, perks or, you know, tag-alongs do, uh, you know, investees get or, you know, the startups yeah. get? For sure. We get that question a lot. Um, so, so after the companies are selected, um, I must add that the selection process is quite intense. I think <laughs> uh, it demands a lot of information and you know effort from the companies. But really, I think every company that that has been part of of our portfolio can say that it's worth it. Um, because after they selected startups, basically join our portfolio for a one year experience, where um, we're sure the funding part is what called their attention to get there to begin with. But over and over. I hear from the startups that the non-financial benefits that we provide over that year are even more valuable. So essentially startups join our portfolio with a prototype of their product, as I was saying before. And we at the fund focus on supporting on strengthening their solution and supporting their growth really to to impact more users. And we do this first through an onboarding cohort workshop, periodic mentorship sessions um, Mm -hmm. on a technical level, but also on a business level. Um, we help them take advantage of, of the open source communities. This is a, a very big focus of our investment because we only invest in open source uh, technology implementations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very much the companies benefit through connections to external mentors, to governments, to UNICEF offices in the field, to programmatic experts, um, whether it's... Um, malnutrition, health, education, um, programmatic experts from the UNICEF team, larger team are key to the strengthening of the solutions we work with. Um, 
And we even connect them many times with pilot partners. So all of these components help them get ready to scale their product to more users in their countries and abroad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. The network definitely must give a huge, uh, you know, global launch to the companies the moment they associate with, you know, the innovation fund. So, you know, at this point, I'm sure, you know, everyone listening would be wondering on how to apply uh, it to be, you know, getting investments at UVF, right? Mm -hmm. What would uh, be your advice to them? Also, you know, a thought note you would like to leave everyone with. For sure. Um, I would say um, we, we regularly uh, open application, what we call application calls. So like an instance where companies can apply to receive our, our funding and support. Um, all this information is communicated always through um, our social media channels, especially. So I would encourage people to follow us on social media uh, or to follow um, the social media handles of our team that we're all very much advocates of, of our investment. And that helps people get up to date in terms of when do we open up new funding opportunities. Uh, we pretty much open four, uh, three or four funding opportunities every year with a different programmatic focus. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, yeah, staying up to date in terms of the different resources that we're sharing online uh, is key. I would say um, we do several info sessions. We do a lot of communication outreach in terms of the focus that we'd like to invest in. So, so staying up to date, um, uh, looking, browsing through our website, I, we try to make the information as clear as possible. Um, so we mm -hmm. hope the resources are, that are available are, are clear. Otherwise, of course, feel free to reach out to me and I'm happy to, to share more specific information. Thank you. Thank you so much, Cecilia, for taking out time for this conversation. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the entrepreneurs listening to you might have anyway got inspired from uh, largely you know, the work that's happening at the Innovation Fund, but, you know, specifically uh, with your background and how you've taken, uh, you know, your, uh, you know, circumstances and, you know, molded them to sort of be kind of like the stepping stones uh, to, you know, not only your own, uh, solving your own problems, but, you know, solving the problems of society at large. So, you know, definitely you're, you're the change agent we were looking for uh, and, you know, it's great that we got to talk to you. Perfect. Yeah, honestly, it's been a pleasure to, to talk to you as well, to share a little bit more about what we do at UNICEF Ventures. And I very much hope that more, more entrepreneurs get into this field. Um, the emerging tech world is still an exploratory world. The humanitarian applications that we're seeing are also exploratory. Uh, exploratory and uh, we very much need more more in this space more use cases mm -hmm. more discoveries more explorations that will help us very much advance into uh, into into the world that is being generated now um, mm -hmm. I think it's only through more explorations and more results from these experimentations that we'll be able to to, to move forward to an inclusive world that ensures a more equitable distribution of, of information and really opportunity. Absolutely. Definitely. 
thank you so much Cecilia again um, I, it was nothing short of a pleasure to talk to you yeah likewise